good vibes. A good evening. I do not attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. The Knutsons. have taken control as to bring you this special show. Who are the Knutsons? Only good vibes. Only good vibes is the plan. Only good vibes, good vibes. Okay, this is called the Knutson Effect. Have you been studying that Glaswegian dictionary, Peter? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I have actually been quite a few times to, to Glasgow, so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it. But uh, yeah, it's, some people are really hard to understand. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, still, you do that smile and nod, smile and nod. And then you get a funny look like, what the hell is, why are you nodding? Like, oh, sorry. And then yeah. you have to like... Say, oh, sorry, I didn't quite catch that. And then, yeah, yeah. slow, slow it down. Talk very slowly, John. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do my best. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It doesn't help when you mix alcohol into that equation either, Peter. To be oh, fair. there you go. <laughs> Maybe I should have got some too. So, no, well, I'm on the tea, so I'll stay sensible, Paul. You can All right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I just have one water. Yeah. So. So how did you get started then, Peter? Where did it all begin? We were looking through some of the bio and it was saying you learned a lot from your dad. Were you touring with your, your, your father? Was, and he has, was he a touring keyboardist as well then? Yeah, yeah. My, my dad was a musician. He played the keyboards and, and the piano and he started out with like a jazz band in, in Hungary. Yeah, I was born right. in Hungary. And uh, then after a while we defected and ended up in, in Sweden. Right. And um, yeah, so he was a, a full-time musician and then they would do all these gigs all around Sweden. And sometimes I would tag along and w- with my mom, we'd, we'd go yep. and stay with him for a few weeks or a few days. And then, so yeah, I guess, they, yeah, that's, that's where it comes from. My, my dad and his uh, record collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of influences from that then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, I was... Um, Initially, I mean, my, my dad was into mostly jazz yep. and, and uh, this was in the 70s, a lot of jazz fusion, jazz funk. Yeah. And when you're a kid, you're not really gravitating towards jazz funk. Yeah. But I was really into uh, like synthesizers and electronic sounds and then a lot of the music, the jazz funk music from, from that era had yeah. a lot of synthesizers and that, that kind of sound. So that's what drew me into to listening to actually check out the records because I would read the sleeves and they would like list all the synthesizers that was that were used for the recordings. Yep. And the more synths that were listed, the more likely I was to put that record on and listen to it. <laughs> and then yeah, I love the sound. And then you go, well, the music is kind of funky. I kind of like this. And then yeah, with time, I, I got more and more into that kind of yeah the the jazz funk stuff mm-hmm. yeah did you just decide to start writing your own stuff then after that at a certain age then did you just think it's time time to write something use your influences well i was always you know i had a dad who played piano so it was only natural to try and, and take lessons from your dad to actually learn the piano but yeah. didn't work out that well um, <laughs> drums. So I was always like tinkering on the piano and playing my own little melodies and was never really interested in playing somebody else's music. I was too impatient. I was always coming up with my own little riffs or whatnot. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I was, yeah, I, from early on, I already always had a, an interest in, in, in making my own music, mm-hmm. music in quotation marks. But yeah, eventually it became music, I think. But And did you start DJing first or did you start making the music first? No, no, I was, I was making music and, and getting more, more into production and, and then DJing came later. Mm. Because I read that you um, 
You started on cassette decks as well, is that right? Were you DJing with cassette decks? No, 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 not DJing, no. <laughs> that would have been that would, crazy. That would be skill, that would be no, skill. That's what I was thinking. There is, have you seen, there's this video of this Russian guy who, who DJs with cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that the other day. He's got some kind of scratching as well with the cassettes. Yeah, that yeah. was crazy. I seen that as well. Yeah, like he was yeah, actually really scratching cool. with the, the old real players. That's, that was yeah, cool. yeah. I never even realized that was like a thing back then. Yeah, I don't know. No, but he he was actually not not real to real, but actually the small cassette tapes. Like oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Walkman, two Walkman. <laughs> yeah, something like. I think he built his own kind of contraption, but yeah, right. it's really impressive. Ah, it's cool. Mm. I've seen it like that before. I haven't checked that out. John, you were talking about that as well. Kind of beat juggling and like uh, scratching with real to real. You know, that's that's unique as well. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Check that out. So, so what, what kind of synth is it you, you go towards, Peter? You've got a real distinct sound on a lot of your, your tracks. Does it like a, maybe like a go-to synthesizers that you, you like to use in the tracks? Or you must have quite a collection. No, I don't actually. No? Um, well, there's something over there, but not much. I, I used to have a lot of ho- hardware, but these days I'm, I'm all software. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So everything is, is in the box pretty much. Um, I have like a guitar and, and a bass that I use every now and then but other than that it's it's all software so do you think like the the software is better than the hardware or is it just more convenient for you or convenience yeah Yeah, because in the beginning i was struggling especially with like bass sounds was try hard to find software that would uh, work for for bass so i i i used the hardware for bass and then everything else i kind of got more and more into using the software side of things because for me, it's just so convenient working on, on multiple projects in parallel. You mm. can just load everything up in the computer. You leave a project, you bring it up three weeks later and everything is exactly where you left it. And yep. yeah. back in the day, I, I, when I had all hardware, I used to you know, take photos of everything and write down diagrams of what, where the knobs were and all that. And if you want to like, recall a mix, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> so I was really happy when, when things finally started to sound proper, even with, with software. Mm. And for me, it just, it just, it fits me perfectly. But then, I mean, hardware is still something different that, that, that tactile feeling and the inspirations you get from twisting the knobs and feeling yeah. that smell of burnt electricity, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smell of but, inspiration. <laughs> yeah, no, but it is definitely. I mean, and it was a few years ago, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start buying since again, I'm going to start collecting. Yep. Peter, and then, uh, yeah, I almost almost bought a, like a, a memory mode. It was um, they had it in one of the stores. It's very rare that, rare that they show up in in, mm. in this city. And I thought, oh, fuck it, I'm just gonna go buy them. It's expensive. And I thought, mm, maybe I start well with something else first. Not go for the like I don't know what like four grand or something like that, which was cheap back then. Mm. Yep. Uh, so I bought this monophonic uh, Yamaha CS30. Uh, it was way cheaper. And I got it and I played with it and then it's like, okay, that's nice. But um, I never ended up using it in any productions because, mm. you know, it's, it's just, it was just a lot of hassle to, to um, you know, it has, this one has no memory. So you have to tweak everything for every track. You have to set up the, the, the sound uh, again. And then if you want to go back to a mix, you have to remember where the knobs were and all that. Mm. Yep. I just it I I love it for inspiration and it's a nice piece of hardware to to tweak around. But I thought, okay, no, I I, I could spend my money money on something else and and just 
you know, save something else and, and just focus on music making because mm-hmm. I, I didn't end up using it in, in any production anyway. So yeah. can you, uh, there must be a magic formula to the baseline, Peter. Can you teach me and John? Because my God, you write some funky baselines. How do you get it so damn funky? <laughs> Tell, come on, teach us. What's the secret? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. They are funky. I'm, actually, I'm very happy because I, I do get that quite a lot. Like people pick up on the baselines and, and, yeah. And I always love bass lines. I've always been fascinated with bass lines. So I, I do spend a lot of time on, on bass and bass lines because I, I love it. And it's just, it's really nice when other people are nerdy like that as well. They pick up on it. <laughs> Come on, what's the secret? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, man that is a fun, every bass line is so goddamn funky. Oh. <laughs> too, too goddamn funky. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it's... it's it's about syncopation a lot of the times yeah. and, and kind of ghost notes as well on the bass, like to get, to get some kind of rhythm going. Uh, yeah, not yeah. Sta- static bass that just, you know, the quarter notes or eights, which uh, is really boring. You have to shift it around a bit and make it a little bit off kilter. And, and you're, born, you're born with it, Peter. You're born with it. Just uh, say, I don't know. Me and John will never reach those heights of those bass. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no. fun. Space is fun though because you can, uh, if if you, which I used to do when I was younger, I was always like have solos and melodies and all yeah. over the place, and it, it's it's in your face and you, it kind of can be distractive. But with the baseline, you can you can sneak in fills and stuff, and it's not super obvious. But if you pay, pay attention to it, then you can find details. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's fun, like having something that you know it's it's the foundation of the track in a sense because it keeps the groove and, and the bottom end. But you can also be a bit creative, and I always do fills and stuff, and try to vary the baseline throughout the track. Yeah, and if if you're not into that kind of stuff, you won't pick up on it because it's it's a bass, so you just feel the, the, the thump of it or whatever. But if, if you're a bit nerdy and you're like, like that kind of stuff, you will pick up on it. And yeah. <laughs> call me a nerd, Peter. You call me a nerd. You would be right. You would be yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah. No, it's just a real, you, as soon as the baseline comes in, you just, it just gives it that character and that's your sound. You know, it has such, your, your tracks have such a unique original sound. So I think it's the, the effort you put into that makes a, a huge difference because it sets the tone of the whole track, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. I mean, but then, yeah, it depends on what what you're going for too, because a lot of stuff, well, especially if you you play for dance floor in a a club or something. Yeah. um, Sometimes the really simple stuff is what works the best. Mm. Yep. Uh, And for me, it's kind of hard to keep it that simple. Like I can't help myself always have to put something in there and and (laughs) add little bits and like end up with this big fluffy like I don't know wedding cake when you were supposed to <laughs> make a brownie right yeah and sometimes the brownie is just way better but <laughs> that's a good comp- yeah, comparison actually I like that yeah I just came up with that no but yeah so uh, it's yeah it's both good and bad I guess uh, yeah and how do you like generally get started with a track do you always is there an idea in your head that you're going for or do you like to like, like just set an experiment until something sticks for you yeah, I, I don't really have a formula as such. Um, but obviously, if you're doing remixes, there's nine times out of ten, there's an acapella. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. start with the vocals and I will usually I will start with the chorus, uh, just loop the chorus. And then usually I will, I have like a, a, a default drumming, like I, I have a template that I load up um, mm-hmm. 
that I still, but it's really basic and it's just got like a four, four beat uh, right. drums and just to have the tempo. And then I start messing around with chords usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whatever excites me will follow. So I, I don't, that's the, that's the beauty of, of working with in, in computers that it's not linear. You can work on whatever part of the production you, you, you feel like first mm-hmm. and then yeah, definitely will fall into place hopefully. So I try to don't to not be formulaic about things, so so I can like, yeah. surprise myself sometimes. Yep. Um, so yeah, but usually chords and start out with the the chorus, I guess, if it's a remix. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what me and John were talking before you came on, and your tracks always progress. Do you make a point of always trying to keep them moving? Is that the clue in your name, Opal Opal? It's all about kind of yes, moving you, you, forward. Yeah. Yeah, you, you pick up on that. That's good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I do actually because also when I listen to music, I you know when you listen to to demos or promos, you get tons of promos, and it's it's really it's really cruel and rude. But you know you click through it. Mm-hmm. You have the the track and you stream and you you listen to the beginning, listen to the middle, listen to the end. Yep. And a lot of times it sounds exactly the same wherever you drop in or listen uh, listen in on the track um and i i like when there's some kind of progression with the things either like harmonically or, or arrangement wise or intensity yep so i, I yeah I, I i think i just naturally try to do i i try to strip down strip things down and then build it up towards some kind of climax and then yeah, because you, you get quite comfortable listening to the track and I always find with your tracks, it's always like, oh, what, what's happened there? What, what the, you know, something's just changed and it's just like a key change or just something that just grabs you again, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, or throws you off, I guess. That's one of the things I struggle with that I, I sometimes I, I do noodle around too much. I, oh, that's, that's, that's it kind of, yeah, draws us towards it, I think. simpler, but yeah, it is what it is. We'll get this formula for the baseline out of you by the end of this interview, Peter. <laughs> keep working on them, John. No, keep keep working. <laughs> so what, what's been, what have you been working on recently then? I heard that was well, it's a couple of the new tracks. I've got a new vocalists and stuff you've been working with. What's, what's some of your most recent uh, releases that are upcoming then, Peter? Well, the, the most recent one that was just released was the, uh, the remake of, um, of the brand new Heavis uh, Status yeah. Way track with Angela Johnson. Angela, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so that that was a really f- fun one, and I'm actually do that was for for real people music. Yep. Um, and I'm doing another one for them, uh, probably for September or something like that. Right. Uh, but then also I've been working on um, a new album uh, oh. for lo- local talk records from mm-hmm. here in Stockholm, um, and that should hopefully drop sometimes sometime August September too. Right. Um, so that's mainly what I've been working on. And then, yeah, remixes as well. Because um, yep. it was Angela's vocals on that one sounded just incredible. I think she was just singing that right for the house, basically, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, no, she was amazing. And when, because I, I've done a remix uh, for um, Dave Lee, Joey Negro, a few yep. years ago with Angela on vocals. So I know she was a great vocalist. But then when I got the files, uh, it was just, I was just blown away because everything was just, well, first of all, it was perfectly recorded. Yep. Everything was just nice and tidy, perfectly labeled. The harmonies were super tight. Everything was bang on pitch wise. Everything. It just, it was just a, 
such a pleasure to work with her and, and she's just such a pro and then when she did that live video because uh -huh. I, I haven't seen her live i never met her yep and just her energy and everything was just i was lovely so she's she's awesome inspiring yeah uh, zed records with, with joey's label you doing more for with joey or dave are you doing more with yeah it? well <laughs> i have this ep like i did a, a six track ep like i don't know two three years ago and i'm i'm doing another one yep but it's hard to get it finished um, I have <laughs> because you, Dave knows what what he wants, yeah, and I don't. So <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of do, but and, and yeah, yeah. So we're going a bit back and forth on on tracks and stuff. And I, I have uh, something I just recently worked on that I'm hoping is going to make that EP, and then we'll see what happens with it. But there's yeah. something in the works there as well. Was that I, was the looking at, um, I was looking at your catalogue of tracks as well. You've got some amount of tracks that you've put out there. Um, you must be in the studio like 24-7 basically, like working through <laughs> those sleep. tracks, like constantly working away, working on those bass yeah. lines. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the thing too, that I, I do a lot of remixes, obviously, and, and uh, with a lot of that stuff, you know, people have deadlines and they want things by a certain date, but then it never gets released on that date. Mm -hmm. Everything gets pushed back and whatnot, and so... So there will be times when five remixes pop pops up in one month, and mm, yeah, yeah. and people go, "Oh my God, how did you do that?" Uh, <laughs> but then, of course, I didn't do them in one month. I mean, they were done. I don't know, could have been done months ago or, or a year ago even. So it, it kind of depends when you check out what I'm doing. Like so there will be periods when there's a lot of stuff coming out, and then they can be quiet periods as well. So. Yep. But I mean, I'm, I'm doing music full time and, and um, I don't have a family, so I have, I have a bit of time. The synthesizer family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It was saying you do remixes with, uh, was it Gregory Porter or collaborations and stuff? And I noticed you done one with Azimuth as well. I, I overlooked that one. Was it Azimuth? What was that Yeah, one? but there was a remix for uh, For Out. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was quite a few years ago. Right. But yeah, that, that was a fun one. No wonder, because they have tracked Jazz Carnival, you know, the Azimuth Jazz Carnival. I think that's probably one of my favorite tracks ever. There's just something great about that track, isn't there? So I never yeah. actually noticed you'd remixed for them. Sorry? I didn't actually realize that you'd done a remix for Azimuth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll have to look back for that. Yeah. I, was, I would love to do more stuff on the, the, like the more jazzy side, because obviously that's yeah. my background more than anything else, really. So, or yeah. like, yeah, that kind of. With lots of nice chords and melodies and stuff, but um, yeah, it depends. Yep. So I'm not distracted. I've got a couple of guinea pigs fighting next to me here, Peter. A couple of new guinea pigs have arrived in, in the room in the, in the street. Guinea pigs? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no way. <laughs> and every, every so often they kick off. I'm, not, I'm trying not to get too distracted, but they're fighting next to me have here. They're still so not settled in yet. No, still <laughs> not Taking over. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, Peter, but it's, it's chaos in that cage at the minute, but I'll keep an eye on Maybe you need to go over <laughs> and talk to them. Basically, we had one guinea pig called Ziggy. He was called Ziggy. All oh, um, right, right. And we got two new ones, Lennon and McCartney, basically. They were called. <laughs> but they're an absolute nightmare. They just don't, it's three boys that don't get along. So, uh, anyway. Oh, three boys. Oh, that, that sounds I just, like. I cannot believe that guinea pigs are too, so territorial. <laughs> I always thought they were like these really gentle things. <laughs> yeah, they're predators, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the music. Sorry to put you off. There, but, uh, it's a World War guinea pig in there at the minute. So, I'm just trying to keep, I'm trying to referee it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. World War G. <laughs> World War G. Yes. 
Oh, brilliant. I, I want to ask you as well, Peter, some of the names of your tracks are phenomenal. I always said to John, one of my favourite names of your tracks, I, I wonder if you can maybe shine a bit more light on this one, but uh, Mr. Zog's Sex Wax, like you have. <laughs> <laughs> when I told John and let him hear that, what are you like, John? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, it's actually not that, but I, I watched a, a few years ago a documentary on surfing. All right. And that is actually a name, a brand of, of the wax that we use for the surfboards. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, right. So when I heard that, I, oh, that's a track name. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm writing that one down. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah. where that came from. <laughs> oh, I just don't take it too serious I like that but just when I told you on that name he's like what the fuck would you just say to me there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. what do you mean in behind that <laughs> well yeah you can you can um, you can fantasize about that one if you want <laughs> <laughs> I might get a new guinea pig and call it Mr. Zog <laughs> oh yeah there you go there you go <laughs> or a female we calm them down yeah yeah and put some wax on them <laughs> that's the last thing they need <laughs> who, are, who are some of your kind of biggest influences then Peter would you say from maybe back when you were starting to get into it and maybe even now who, who is it standing out to you even now where do you draw your influences from well yeah again it's it's the jazz funk stuff my obviously the, the records my dad would buy and, and some of them I've just stuck with me. One of my biggest influences was, uh, or still is, in a sense, of Jeff Lorber, who was a, still is, of course, a keyboard player who had a back in the seventies something called yeah. Jeff, Jeff Lorber Fusion, which was, uh, yeah, it, it was a jazz funk fusion, and, and with like very, he has a very distinctive style of soloing and melodies and, and chord progressions, which I was really into. And then um, Herbie Hancock. Um, can we take a, Can we just take a moment to respect the man that is Herbie Hancock? Yeah, I mean he's he's an absolute legend. I would say he's probably my my biggest influence in many yeah. many ways. Um, and George Duke, Birth, Wind, and Fire were huge for me. Yeah. Uh, but then they were. I mean, because my dad would bring, like I said, he would bring back. He bought a lot of uh, records and mostly jazz stuff. But every now and then they would he would buy something he didn't quite know what it was and yeah. he would hate it, but I would like it. Like uh, one of them was uh, Confunction. Right. As a boogie funk band from the, well, that started out in the seventies and, and that kind of got me into the more funky side of things. Right. Uh, but yeah, for inspiration, I still go back to like George Duke and, and Herbie Hancock and those guys. What about uh, today then? What about maybe people that are standing out to you today in the, in the, the kind of new scene then? Who would you say is kind of standing out? Um, well, there, there are a lot of amazing people out there, definitely. Um, it, it depends on what, what you're going for, listening for. I mean, as far as like songwriting and stuff, I, and even production, I, I like to go back to the old stuff because I don't want to copy something from that's something that's contemporary really uh, so I, I like to be inspired by by the old stuff from 70s early 80s and then do my own spin on it yep but then there are people like i mean at jazz is one of my favorite producers because he has this very distinctive sound and, and everything is just so perfectly balanced and his yeah. like sonic universe is, is really oh sorry my phone is going off is is really like he's in the league of his own, I think. Yep. 
And um, also when I started make, uh, going more into to the housey side of stuff, uh, or, or things, I would listen to masters at work because yeah. obviously the, the production and everything, but also they had the jazz influences with the Latin stuff and lots of percussion and all that. Yep. And obviously he's still doing that kind of stuff, which, which is, is great. And then, I don't know, there are other people like uh, Cody Curry, young guy, yep. who's doing more of uh, sample-based uh, stuff in, in a really tasteful way, I think. It's, it's easy to do like the generic looping two bars from some, some disco track and then just calling it a track. But he works with samples really well, I think, and he has the, like, yep. this dusty lo-fi kind of sound, which I yeah. quite enjoy. Same as the um, German guy, Max, Max Grave, right. also a young guy um, on the house side of things. And then I was, I'm still am heavily into the, the broken beat stuff that came out of West London and, and people like Heidi Tatham. Uh, he's an amazing keys player. And, you know, I love the way he, his chord progressions and also his um, crazy syncopated rhythms and yeah. that kind of stuff. It's interesting to see what our guests who influence the guests because we always find out more music or the viewers can find out more music. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then also um, Ricky Reed, fellow uh, Scottish guy. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if he lives in Glasgow, but he's Scottish. Uh, he does things under uh, James Lestrange Orchestra. Oh, yeah. Uh, really beautiful stuff. He's, I think he uses a lot of software too, but it makes it sound like really organic lots of strings and, and uh, orchestral stuff and nice one. super musical and like really nice quality jazz influence stuff which I, I really like Brilliant. So, yeah and what's uh, what's your plans for the future as well like obviously it's about a crazy time in the world right now have you got like plans for coming up yeah total world domination <laughs> that's the main so start small yeah <laughs> good no I don't know I mean it's it's the times have been crazy and, and like practically hasn't been much of a difference for me because I work from home and I mm. do my thing. I mean, obviously all the DJ gigs are gone like everybody else, but um, yeah, I've just been keep uh, been keeping on doing music as, as I usually do. But of course, nobody knows really where, where things are going and mm-hmm. are people still up for buying music? When should, should you release something now or do you want to wait, mm-hmm. see if things uh, change? Or So it's, it's, it's tricky, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so my, my plans, I don't know. That it's, it's just keep on doing what I've always been doing and hope for the best, I guess. Um, <laughs> one, one, way, one baseline at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Taking over the world one baseline at a time. <laughs> that, that's a good way to take over the world, I think. Yeah. If I would do that, then that would be my way of doing it. Yeah. You'd be you'd go down in history for that one, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really delay this any longer. The disco dash, Peter, are you, are you happy to play our little uh, little game show? Have you Yeah, right. <laughs> for anyone who's watching who doesn't really know what this is it's the three household items and John times them mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they, write their, job. they write their score on their, their time oh on that's that. nice look at that look at that I didn't go oh, to man, art school you spelt it wrong you spelt it backwards <laughs> no mirror on there. <laughs> that, that, that's supposed to be a bass guitar. Like I said, yeah, I didn't I go, that, yeah, yeah. go to art school, and that's obviously a a synth. 
That's we're trying to per- personalise it for you, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. You put <laughs> so, that on a t-shirt. Yeah, definitely. Are you ready for this, then, Peter? We'll usually just round off the interview with something a bit light-hearted, a bit of disco dash. Yeah, yeah let's go. We'll see how you how you get on. All right. I'm just going to hold up the board. John can talk you through the times because I can't hold the microphone and hold the board. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into glamorous assistant mode. So basically, we've still got Natasha Kitty at the top with 20 seconds flat. I don't, I don't know if that one's ever going to get beaten, to be quite honest, but Damn we can right. always try. We can always try, Peter. Right. So we've got Natasha Kitty at 20, and then second place, we're at 27.09. So we're looking for cl- as close to 20 seconds as you can get, if not under. Okay, what all those items? you're asking for? <laughs> am I disqualified then? Say that again. If I don't have the items you're asking for, am I disqualified then? Oh, yeah, the host kicked you out of the chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we'll try and keep it simple for you, Peter. Right. You should have these in the house. Right. Right, you ready for your three items then? I have to take off my mic then so I can go run. Yeah, right. <laughs> go ahead. Don't, don't trip over anything. <laughs> your three items are a pair of headphones, toothpaste, and your quirky item. All right. All right, go. <laughs> Oh, he's off yeah. like a shot. Oh, yeah. this is a good strong start. Oh, this is a strong start. Oh, he's probably going to get that toothpaste into the studio right now. <laughs> <laughs> i got to get him out of the room, don't know. Oh, 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 this is quick. Oh, oh. 14.1 seconds. Oh. You are the champ. Oh. Off of the leaderboard. Off of the board. Natasha Kitty Cat has been dethroned, unfortunately. <laughs> well, Natasha's oh, just no. buying herself out. <laughs> 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 what, was, what was it exactly, John? 14.1. 14.1. Wow. I'm, I'm so impressed right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm a very slow guy, so that was impressive for me too. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that, Peter. Outstanding. <laughs> Sorry, Natasha. <laughs> so what was your, your quirky that, item, Peter? Right to the top of the board, Peter. Outstanding. Oh, that's amazing. Did I win a prize? Just the uh, respect of your fellow trade. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Respect is, is good. We've got a small budget, Peter. We don't have quite an issue. It's quite a low budget, to be honest. And I spent the budget in a bottle you of wine. for money. What the hell, man? <laughs> what was the quirky item you had then? This baby right here. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, the tape deck? Yeah, that's, that's, my, um, that's my first studio. It's a Fostex four-track cassette recorder. Brilliant. Oh, is that where it all started? From 83. Yeah, that's where it started. Nice. And uh, remember these kids? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Max LC90, the... Top of the range. Iconic cassette tape. That's a bit of history right there. Yeah. So, yeah, the, <laughs> this is... Um, yeah, first time. Well, actually, oh, that that's where that comes from with the with the tape decks you were talking about in the beginning. Yeah, because I used to I used to have two cassette cassette tape decks, mm-hmm. and I would record just the bounce recording from one to another. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. for overdubbing. Uh-huh. Yep. That that yeah yeah. But then I I, I got this one, and then you mm-hmm. could actually record four channels uh, independently. Awesome. So, that was, yeah, a, that, that was that a game was, changer. That was a game changer when that arrived. It was, it was. It was amazing back then. It sounded like shit, but it was still, <laughs> <laughs> still amazing for a 15-year-old kid. I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> no, thanks a lot for taking time to chat, Peter. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thanks for having me.
You still haven't told us that secret to the baseline, though, but we'll, we'll get you eventually. Yeah, when you send me the money, I'll... I'll uh, <laughs> Paul, stop buying all that wine and give him some money. <laughs> Brilliant. No, thanks a lot, Peter. We'll catch up with you again soon, all right? Thanks, all right, guys. Man. 